0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. This is
1: Susan Garcia. Bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz y le
0: agradecemos otra vez for tuning this week episode. So the topic of the day is Unidos. We're contemplating questions of, first of all, are we united as a community? If not, how are we not united? And on what other fronts are we united? How does unity even look like? And so we think that talking about these questions before we delve into other bigger issues is important because if we're wanting to have these discussions as a community, we have to figure out how we want the community to look like to begin with. So we'll start with the basic question. So are we united as a community? What are your thoughts on this, Alex? So I'll say it depends from what side you will see that if we're united. It's so like,
1: are we united as, you know, as a whole Central American community? Or are we united as a country from Central American? Because a lot of us. Took size on it. For me, I feel like in the Central American community as a whole, not only in the United States, but in Europe and all that, and in Central America, we're not united. Sometimes we left actually Central America Oh, We tend to focus more in the United States and we tend to forget the other side. I feel like we. We're trying to do with, you know, a lot of pages on Instagram, the mm-hmm. Central on Twitter, you know, a lot of people are advocating for that, But I think we still need to be more united as as a whole community, you know, I know it will take time. I know, pero creo que sería bueno, o sea, unidos para para realizar algo, no solo en Centro America, en Estados Unidos y en otros lados, sino as entire, you know, like as an entire community. I feel like we still need work and I don't think we, we're completely united, you know, like how we were talking in the last episode, a lot of us take size and it's something that we need those... Um, uh, obstacles and barriers, we need to kind of like shut them and have like, you know, because it's like, how can we actually create a better community, a better uh, space for the future generation? It was still taking size on when it comes to the Central American community.
0: Yeah, I think that um, as you were saying all this, what I'm thinking is, you know, first of all, when we're having these discussions of let's better the community, the Central American community. Everyone kind of has an assumption of what the Central American community and most of the time we're just thinking about the Central American community in the U.S. And something that I'm, you know, trying to think about more is our relationship with Central America, the people back home, back home. How does that relationship look like? Are we excluding them from what the community means? Like why? Why? I understand. Obviously, there's a lot of value in talking about, you know, getting the Central American diaspora in the United States. Yes, let's support each other. Let's go forward. But I think that to some extent, we do need to include Central America itself. We do need to include back home. There needs to be improvement there because, again, ultimately, a, a lot of us, most of us, left Central America because. Staying back home wasn't safe. Staying back home wasn't an option. Staying back home did not allow you to survive or thrive. And so that's just something that I think about a lot. But also I think something that we also touched upon in the last episode is, you know, kind of a maybe lack of communication that's happening with the diaspora and other places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, like, again, in the U.S., we think about the Central American diaspora. People like kind of just think about Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, You know, people don't really think as much about like Panamanians and Costa Ricans. But for example, right now, a lot of actually Hondureños and and especially people from Nicaragua, they're going to Costa Rica and Panama or to Colombia. You know, like they're part of the Central American diaspora, but just because they're not part of the United States, we're not coming up with the resources. And that's something I struggle a lot. I I, I think about a lot because, you know, with the Centam Collective, which is meant to empower, Internationally, the Central American diaspora, it's like, okay, how can I support people who are now settling even in other Central American countries or other South American countries? It's how do we not make it just so US centric because the experience, the struggles, you know, the The struggles, I mean, they're not identically the same, but the sentiment is the same. You know, you're you move to a different country. Sure, you don't have maybe the same language barrier, but you're facing discrimination because people in South America look down upon, you know, certain countries. You don't know. You don't have family there. You're facing isolation. How do you, you're facing undocumented status? How do you get a job? You had a degree back home or what What do you do now with your family? And so I think that these are, I guess, two big main thoughts of first of all, how do we include home when we're talking about improving the community? And also even we're ta- if we just want to focus on the diaspora, recognizing that it's not in just the US. People are um, people are going to go wherever they can, and it's not always the U.S. Yeah,
1: and then, you know,
0: you touch something very important. I
1: have learned and I have been um, reading about the Nicaraguan community migration to Costa Rica. And a lot of us don't think about that because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Central America, you know, like, why well, will people go to another country close by? But they migrated. For muchas mm-hmm. diferentes razones. Una, pues, like guerra civil que pasó en los ochentas. Actualmente, por lo que está pasando con Daniel Ortega en uh, Nicaragua, mm-hmm. mucha gente, instead of going north, because going north means a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it,
0: first of all, the diaspora is not... No, Nicaragua is far, you know, like, Guate is a bit... Yeah. Like, if, leaving from Guate and Nicaragua are two very different things if you're trying to go
2: exactly. to the U.S. Yeah,
0: you know, migrating north means like, are you going
1: to migrate through plane, you know, or an airplane, or are you going to make the entire trip? And I feel like for Nicaraguans, it's like, that's a big trip. You know, you have to cross not only Honduras mm-hmm. or El Salvador, but you have to go through Guatemala and the entire Mexico. You know, and Mexico is inmenso to do the entire trip. So a lot of Nicaraguans go south because, you know, Costa Rica, out of all the seven uh, countries... People see Costa Rica as the most stable Central American mm-hmm. country. That you know, Costa Rica is not perfect as uh, you know, como los demás países. So, a lot of people go south to Costa Rica and they face discrimination. And we don't talk about that. You know, you would think, oh, porque hablan español, porque son centroamericanos, van a ser aceptados. No, I have heard a lot of actually Costa Rican tell me stuff about Nicaraguans. And I'm just like, wait, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like you coming here. It's, it's almost the same thing. Why would you think that from other people who are actually, you know, trying to seek asylum right. in your country? You know, I feel like that's when when the part of are we united? Because it's like we see each other different. Because you're from another country, and one thing that I I read back in when I was in school is that a lot of people in the 80s, cuando estaban las guerras del, you know, el, Nicaragua, El Salvador y Guatemala, mucha gente fue a, a Honduras. And you know, and pensar que Honduras, siendo un país que casi Can you think about years ago when you didn't open Mm -hmm. the doors to those people who were seeking asylum? You decided to protect your borders because my dad was in the military and he was at the border protecting from the side of Nicaragua. You know, so it's like you decided to protect your country instead of accepting people in because they were suffering, you know, torturas y cosas así por los militares. You know, it's the same asking, like, are we united? Because people going to Costa Rica and they're seeking, you know, they're they're seeking asylum and sometimes they're not granted. Los dejan ahí en, en medio de la frontera or, you know, y cuando están allá, no solo sufren discriminación, muchas veces no pueden agarrar trabajo. Y es lo mismo que pasa aquí, pero no lo vemos igual. We see it here because we experience it, because it's, it's us going through the same struggle, but we don't acknowledge that other people are, are having the same issues. Even in Spain, un montón de, um, de gente, especialmente del pueblo de mi mamá, and muchos varones, you know, hombres que, que they migrated to Spain, they cannot get a job. If for a woman it's easy you know, because they can go and clean and a uh, house. And I'm not saying that a man cannot do that. I'm just saying it's easier for a woman to find a job like that. Even in the United States, it's hard to get a, a resident status. But uh, in Spain, you, you have to get a um, sponsor or something like that by a family. I think it is. Mm-hmm. But it's still hard to get that. And you will see, oh, pero hablan español solo tienen fácil. No. You know, they're speaking
0: Castellano, which is different. And again, like people, I think, um, generally, people look down at like Central American Spanish. Oh yes, definitely. Like, and, and especially
1: Spaniards. Oh yeah. Yeah, en lo peor es que bueno, lo que yo he escuchado es de de allá es que no solo es difícil agarrar trabajo, eh tenés que trabajar like, por ejemplo, creo que una amiga de mi mamá trabaja like tres casas al día y le pagan súper poquito. Mm. Y es like, you know, you don't think that other people in another country having having the same issues i uh i mean i don't know other you know like como es en otros países porque no he tenido um, la oportunidad de tener eh, de conocer gente que está en otros países pero me imagino que es lo mismo que así va a ser en alemania en in italia ya sea en rusia en, en, en asia because there's there's central american communities everywhere Something
0: that I've learned very recently, but is so important, is about specifically, um, you know more, it seems like about within Latin America, but something that I've been learning more of is like within Europe, um, especially. So I don't know if you know Mel- Melissa Vida. No. She is the founder of Central American News. Oh. She, I, yeah, I know that page, is the much, one behind but I don't it. know the person behind yeah, it. Yes, yes. So she's a Salvadoran a uh, Belgian
2: mm.
0: reporter, mm. journalist. Um, and she found Central American News. If you're listening to this, please follow Central American News, subscribe to the newsletter. Yes. Uh, and they do a really good job of compiling news about Central America. Like they don't focus like on just the US. They do an r- amazing job about that. Um, but anyway, so Melissa right now lives in Belgium and she wrote an article for the New York Times last year talking about how central americans are increasingly moving to and seeking asylum in europe um so spain is like the most popular destination then italy but a destination that's becoming a lot more popular is belgium and there's a growing salvadorian population there because in belgium they accept gang violence as a reason to seek asylum oh um which is very obviously very relevant. And so so she lives in Belgium because um, she has a connection there. She's half Belgian, but she grew up in LA. But she's seeing how Salvadorans are going there and she's talking about how how the Belgian government their strategy is that as they're processing the asylum seekers, they place them in different parts of the country. They scatter mm. them. So it's not like they're just all putting them in Brussels in the capital. Like, no, there's a lot of them who are living in small Belgian towns where they're the only Salvadorans. Can you imagine, you know, in Belgium, they speak two languages. They speak French and Flemish. None of them are Spanish, right? Imagine like you're placed in a small town, the only Salvadoran there and somehow have to assimilate. And she's right now, she, she's doing great work. She's actually a Centem ambassador for the Centem Collective. And one of her big projects is she started a Facebook page for Belgians in El Salvador because they're so spread out where like really the only community that they can actually build is online. So she described to me how it was some sometime last fall, I think September, October, she had a pupusa making class oh. in Brussels. Um, and a lot of people showed up, which was great, but she described to me how people told her how they traveled for hours to go. Cause they heard about the event and they traveled for hours to go to that pupusa making class Wow! because you're so, I mean, because there's no, there's no other way to connect with your community mm-hmm. that they have to travel for like four hours for this pupusa class. Wow. Damn. I did not know that. I I mean, I
1: follow the page but- and I have the newsletter and I read them all the time and I I read to the news but I never kn- knew who was behind it. I think it's just me not doing
0: my research. Yeah, no. She's um she's she's fighting a lot to increase more European representation of the diaspora, especially because again, it's it's like in the past 3 years, it's really been increasing and and if you read the article, like it I mean, it makes sense because Especially now when, you know, crossing the border is even harder, even if you do seek asylum, like the US doesn't respect mm-hmm. that. But if you can all you you don't need a visa also a lot of the time, a lot of Central Americans, you can just fly to Europe without a visa. You don't need to apply before. So you just need to buy the ticket, which is cheaper than I mean, to pay the Coyote now is like, ooh, $15,000. You just need what? Like at most $1,000 for the plane ticket and like maybe a couple of other thousand to like sustain yourself in Europe. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper. Um, You just need to be able to get that ticket and hopefully you don't need a visa. And you go there and a lot of people either overstay or again, you can just apply for asylum. Mm -hmm. You don't know about this like you don't hear about it. I think that in some ways it can be harder than going to the U.S. Because, you know, in the U.S., you know, if you move to New York or especially L.A., you know, people speak Spanish. You know, let's say even if you move there completely by yourself, someone can speak the language. There's like you can find easily like a pupuseria or, you know, a Honduran restaurant. Like you will find it most likely Mm -hmm. because... I mean, there's just like those resources that have been created. They're used to having people migrate.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
0: used to that. But like in Belgium, where you know they don't have a tradition of hosting immigrants, especially the ones from Central America. True. And so it's like you, you're late. It's not even laying the foundation for yourself, but like laying the foundation for like the whole diaspora. You have to start it from scratch, and that's what Melissa's doing. You know, mm-hmm. her having that pupusa making class, that's the first of its type in Belgium. You mm-hmm. know, like she has, she's starting all of this from scratch. It's incredibly important work. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to only become even more important as the years come along. Yes.
1: And then later we're going to have a pupuseria over there.
0: Hopefully. <laughs> 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 we're going to go <laughs> pupusa <in> Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it, it sounds so random because... I mean, you're just not used to thinking of Central Americans in Belgium. You know, it's just more yeah. an idea. But I think it's something that we're, you know, or uh, even as you said, like thinking about n- people moving to Costa Rica. We have to get used to those ideas. People, it's it's not just the U.S. People are going to go wherever they can go.
1: Exactly. You know, right now that you were talking about asylum, I love this show on netflix Mm -hmm. and this is not an ad okay i love this show (laughs) it's patriot act
0: and they talk every have you seen it i i don't i've never watched it but it's with hassan minaj oh love that guy (laughs) yes
1: yes and they talk how this government had put um a lot of barriers on asylum he has actually two episodes two episodes that touch on central america the closest one is when um yeah he said how like before they were accepting 100 asylums uh application and now only 50 in it's so graphic like the graphic design team is amazing and you can see it yeah, it's, and I mean, it's, it's amazing to see other people actually looking, you know, to the Central American community and kind of trying to explain what was what's going on, you know. And then, I mean, it makes other people outside of our community think about.
2: So earlier you were talking about, you know, again, si estamos unidos and how in defining the community if we should involve home. And so again, as a first generation immigrant, right, I was born and raised here. I feel that my experience as a Central American has been very exclusive of home, I guess. I think that it it takes a lot of intentional efforts to include home. And that's something that I struggle a lot with the sense I'm collective, you know, it's meant to empower the Central American diaspora. But something that I've been trying to figure out, especially in the past two, three months is thinking about, okay, should we be including home? How do we include mm-hmm. home? How do we help it? How do we empower it? If we don't lift up home, are we really empowering the diaspora? You know, since, I mean, the diaspora is founded on bad conditions going on home, however they look like. And so um, that's something that I struggle a lot with. And I think that again, for people like me, it's very easy for us to forget because we, we only see each other, the diaspora, but you know, I really want to hear what you have to say, given that, you know, you were born and raised in Honduras. You were there for 14 years of your life before you came to the U.S. to L.A. And so I feel like that conversation and the significance is a lot more obvious to you. So I just want to hear how what you think about that. How should we include home in the community and how does that look like?
1: Yeah. Including home is so important, right? As an Honduran, just growing up over there, when I migrated here was because of, you know, the the divorce of my parents, right? And I came here to, you know, start a new life. Having to include home And my daily life was so important. Social media, you know, I was able to connect to my abuelitos, to my dad. My dad still lives over there and to my little brother. And you're not only part of the now U.S. community here, but you're still part over there. You still need to be connected with the news over there because your family is over there. Yeah, when that new election happened in Honduras and ese señor se hizo la nueva reelección, right? I was so scared because I was there cuando pasó el golpe de estado in 2009. I know how it was. I saw a lot of people dying for just being in the street haciendo protesta para el gobierno. And, you know, it was for me scary knowing that was my dad over there, grandma, mis primos. It was so important for me being connected. Especially when it comes to news. Because what's happening over there is what makes a lot of people coming here, right? You need to understand what's going on in your in your region, in your hometown. That way you understand why people are migrating. I mean, we all know it's gang violence, corruption. Uh, there's lack of employment. Not a lot of, uh, you know, opportunity for school. Solo para decirte algo así, like, you know... Tengo muchos primos y muchos amigos that, that go to the university. God, like, a cada rato le, el periodo se cancela. Like, tengo amigos de que estaban en la universidad desde antes que me viniera, and they haven't graduated, you know? So knowing that area, knowing what's happening back home, have not only helped me be more outspoken here, and trying to understand why people come here, right? Because we all have different reasons. Muchas personas dicen, oh, pues es que solo es algo económico. Well, yeah, there's, I mean, everything is expensive over there. And then si no tienes trabajo, si no puedes estudiar, si te roban la cartera en el, en, en el bus. Like, you cannot have una pulpería para vender, you know, churros y cosas así because ya te va a llegar alguien y te lo va a cobrar el impuesto de guerra, you know? So it, it's, it's just knowing that... In, Kind of like for me, incorporating home here was more informada de lo que estaba pasando y no solo en Honduras, de lo que estaba pasando en Guatemala cuando sacaron al al presidente, se me olvida el nombre. Or Nicaragua, you have to be connected with home. You can you cannot migrate and just ignore where you come from. You can you can just migrate and, and think that, oh, just because I'm in a better place, you know, I can get a job, I can go to school. Like it's not important. Those type of, you know, laws or issues that are going back home are not I, they're not affecting me. You cannot be that I'm sorry for the word ignorant. Like honestly, like you can. Because it's like what about your family? What about your friends? You know, as an Honduran, as a person who experienced el, el golpe de estado, I needed to learn, you know, because there, th- there's a division in Honduras, what it was before el golpe and what it was after el golpe de estado. You know? So, yo creo que involucrar tu, tu tierra is so important. And that, you know, like you as a Guatemalan, I'm 100% your, your mom is always trying to learn what is happening in Guatemala. Porque todo eso nos hace, you know? No importa si estás aquí en los Estados Unidos o estás ahí en, en Europa o en otro lado. Lo que te pasa, lo que pasa en, en tu tierra es lo que te está afectando. Because you still have, you're still connected to that. There's no way as a, as a Central American, you can just ignore or just detach home. How can I detach my home? how you know how can I detach it's like it's it's part of me you know and what is and what is happening you know from right now from years to come it, it will still affect me because if it affects me, it affects my family, it affects their family, it affects people that I went to school with, it affects everybody, you know, and at the end we have this diaspora that then we that a lot of people question.
2: Right, right. I feel like what you said resonated so strongly. And I feel that that's something that a lot of us first generation struggle to understand. Because as I said, you know, we were born and raised in the US. We don't know our family that stayed behind. We don't know the communities that stayed behind. Um, It's just so detached because, for example, me, you know, I never really I didn't meet my grandparents until I was almost 10. And there's people who who don't really think about this ever in their lives. And so I felt like what you said was really powerful. And if people heard about this more, they would be more motivated to know. Think of home. Think of what's happening there and think of it, how it affects you, how even though you never met your primos, primas, tíos, tías, abuelos, abuelas, how. You know that there's real people. Again, they're, they are real people and what's happening there is affecting them. And so I think that, I mean, we can definitely make another episode about this, but I think that we should definitely discuss more how home is so central to the community. And I feel a lot of us struggle to even understand that concept And I feel like this is a lot more obvious to you because again, you know, you were there for fourteen years. You, that was your life, and I think it's it's a struggle, you know, again with the Sentem Collective trying to translate that, you know, try to get people to understand of why we should care, you know, why we should care about SOS Nicaragua, why we should care about Nayib, you know, Bukele or Bukele, I don't know how to pronounce his name. (laughs) Or, you know, for me, like I'm trying to, I was following the Guatemalan elections and why, you know, Giametti is not good. And also, you know, and what's happening in Costa Rica, Panama, Belize, Nicaragua. Um, Yeah, so I, I feel that what you said needs to be brought to the forefront a lot more for us to remember, because a lot of us really do forget. And that's a privilege itself. So I think this is a good note to end on where we talk about the role that home plays in our identity and communities abroad for our next episode called Olvidamos, where we continue this conversation more about what the Central American identity really looks like in the diaspora. So please remember to check out our website, centralamericanvoices.com, which you can subscribe and stay updated. And also follow us on Instagram on Centam Voices Podcast.
1: This is Susan. Please stay tuned for next episodes. Uh, We post every week on Monday. Gracias por su tiempo. Soy Alejandra Quiroz.